The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Our reading for today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but the sinners. This is the word of the Lord. I am Pastor Josh. If I have not met you, we are just thrilled that you joined us for worship today. Uh, We're going to start with some prayer, just asking God to speak, and then we'll dive into the message. Heavenly Father, you are a God who goes to rather extreme lengths to have a relationship with us. Lord, we pray that uh, as we engage you in your word, uh, that your spirit moves in our spirit. Lord, that we would come a little bit closer to you, that we would receive the gifts you have for us as your children, but then also be able to pay those gifts forward to our community, our family, and beyond. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So we are starting a new series called Encounters with Christ. And between now and Easter, we're going to go through and just spend some time with the people Jesus spent time with, looking at how his relationship with them, how Jesus coming into their lives left them forever changed. And they're all going to come from different circumstances, from different backgrounds, uh, and they're all going to leave a little differently. That said, though, we're going to be in Mark the whole time, and I did want to talk through the specifics of Mark as a gospel. Because we have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each of them are unique. Each of them have a specific emphasis that they're going to lean into a little bit. And so if you're reading the book of John, his context is he is trying to be emphatic that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is divine. If you are reading Matthew... He spends a lot of time talking about Jesus as the king, Jesus as Messiah. If you are in Luke, you have a lot of Jesus as human, Jesus as the son of David. So each gospel is going to work differently. But in Mark, specifically, there isn't as much context. There isn't as much kind of um, opinion or uh, support around it. It's more of just, this is what Jesus did. And so when you read through Mark, it's all action-driven. Jesus goes here. Jesus says this. Jesus does this. Jesus does this. And it moves very quickly. Because Mark is just saying, here's who Jesus is. This is what he did. And then he gives moments where he allows the reader to say, so who do you think he is? Not subjectively, but as an objective, this is who he was as he acted. And then that tells us who he is as a person, right? But the one emphasis that you will see again and again and again in Mark is this concept of what does it mean to be pure or what does it mean to be righteous? What does it mean to be in right standing? And if you were an ancient Israelite, that was a big deal because if you were not pure, if you were not considered righteous, if you haven't, hadn't cleaned yourself appropriately, and this is both physically but also spiritually, you couldn't go to temple. Temple is where you would encounter God. 
Temple is where you could pray to God and the altar was in front of you and the altar is what you were supposed to focus on. And so they did everything in their lives to stay pure, to stay clean, to stay connected to God so they could get into the temple. But what we see very quickly in the book of Mark is that Jesus' understanding of what it means to be pure and how we become pure is different than what the Pharisees the religious leaders of the time would say. This comes from Mark chapter 7. Jesus says, So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Right? So they're worried about physical cleanliness because for them, that's how they're going to connect to God. He, Jesus, replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. For as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts, they're far from me. They worship me in vain. Their, teaching are, their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Mark is emphatic that Jesus came to set new priorities and new expectations, a new understanding of how we connect to God. And that's really the theme of today's message. That's going to be the big question we're going to answer is, what does it mean to connect to God? How do we connect to God? And we're going to do that through three encounters of Jesus meeting with people. And each of these people that he meets with, he's not supposed to have any connection to. A godly person, a pastor, a religious rabbi, a teacher, should have no connection with either of these three stories, right? And the first comes with the leper. A man with leprosy came to him, being Jesus, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out a hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. All right, so the big reason that this is important is leprosy is a skin disease, right? And it's a very public skin disease, And the rules of the temple stated, if you had any impure skin, if there was any chance you could be contagious to the largest gathering of Israel, you weren't allowed into the temple, right? Because it literally was a health hazard because they didn't understand how leprosy spread. And so they created leper colonies, which to some extent we still have today, but leper colonies back then didn't have any medical supplies. They didn't have any food. They had no way to produce money to buy medical supplies or food. And so they were a completely separate, completely ostracized community. And again, they couldn't get to temple. They couldn't connect to God. And Jesus walks in to this man, or this man walks into Jesus' life. And Jesus heals him. He connects with him. He restores him. So story number one is a story of a God who can heal physical brokenness, physical uncleanliness. Second story, literally immediately after that, is the paralytic. And a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. All right, so at this point, Jesus is starting to trend in what was ancient day social media, right? Like hashtag Jesus is on the move. That's what's happening all throughout Israel. People are hearing about this guy who can cure leprosy. They're hearing about this guy who preaches differently as someone who has authority. He's doing miracles. 
And so as that movement spreads, he's teaching, and he ends up in a home. Now, homes weren't nearly as large as they are today, and so probably you could say the house that he was going to be in was from this back wall to this front row of chairs. And this house is packed, so much so that even the people in the entryway can't get in, right? So Jesus is teaching, and then something happened. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him because of the, to Jesus because of the crowd. Now, this is where the story literally gets funny. I, I need you to picture what's happening here, right? They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying upon. All right, so imagine this. Jesus is up here. He's doing his talking thing, right? People are listening. And all of a sudden, you start to see dust, right? Start coming down from the ceiling, and people are starting to look up a little bit. And you're like, oh, is it rodent up there? Is it windy? Right? But soon the dust is coming down in fairly substantial margins to the point where all of a sudden you start to see light coming through the ceiling. And it's clear something is going on up there, right? And Jesus, he has to stop at one point, And the hole keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, large enough where a man can be descended down to, right? So we're not talking, you know, a six-inch hole. We are talking this gaping chasm. And all of a sudden, you see four dudes lowering another dude by a rope on a mat in front of Jesus. This is a moment that you're going to remember. This is ridiculous what's happening. But the point of the matter is these men are willing to do anything to get their friend to Jesus. And what's Jesus' response? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this, what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? For which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Now, I remember when I used to read this scripture pre-seminary, I always thought saying to someone, your sins are forgiven, that's the bigger deal, right? Because as a good Christian, we know forgiveness of sins is core to who we are in the faith. But my seminary professor said, but think about it from a public standpoint. Jesus is in front of all of these people, and he could say, God forgives you your sins, and it's a spiritual issue, right? No one can call and be like, well, how do we know? I mean, you can make objective reasoning, but saying your sins are forgiven, there's no immediate physical response. Instead, what does Jesus say? Because you want to know how much power I have, I'll prove it to you. Walk. And the story goes on, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. So he said to them, I tell you, get up, take take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Jesus does a public miracle to let them know, not only do I have the authority to heal, I have the authority to heal, uh, to forgive. I have the authority to make someone pure and righteous. Righteous literally means right relationship. I can bring them back to God, he says. All right? And in this story, what I love about this is we see two truths. 
we see a community that is willing to do anything and go to any length to bring someone to Jesus. And we all know people like that, right? We know people in our lives who have hurts that are deep and complicated and messy. And they need a Messiah, a hero who specializes in messy, complicated, broken people. And so for these four men, it literally meant carrying their friends physically to Jesus, opening a hole in a roof, descending him down in this ridiculous situation so they can encounter the Messiah. In our lives, though, sometimes we can think that it's that immediate moment when in reality, oftentimes it's going to be a lifetime of getting someone to Jesus. It's going to be conversations. It's going to be patience. It's going to be forgiveness. It's going to be witnessing both by how we live our lives, but then when the opportunities arrive, how we vocally tell them and show them who this Jesus guy is. Right? Willing to go to any lengths to bring broken people to Jesus, but then equally, in fact, even more important, is a Messiah who can do anything, who can heal anything, who can forgive anything. It's a both and. We need people to bring us to a Messiah, but we need a Messiah who specializes in those kinds of broken people. So we have the leper. We have the paralytic. And in both of these stories, you could call back a little bit to the Old Testament. Jesus had, or God had healed leprosy before. God had healed all kinds of things in the Old Testament. So the fact that Jesus is doing these things, okay, that makes sense. But when he does this next one, this next interaction... Well, it's almost like he's putting a marker down. Because you want to know how far God will go to have a relationship with you? You want to know what type of person God will have a relationship with? Well, even a tax collector. The thing with tax collectors is they were the most despised, hated group in Israel. They were collaborating with the Roman occupation They would collect taxes for Rome, but then they could charge any amount over what Rome required as their own salary. And so they would show up at your house, and they would demand you pay them, and if you didn't pay them, they would send in Roman guards who would literally beat you into submission, throw you in jail until you paid whatever number that was. They were collaborators with the enemy. And so they put a new rule in place about the temple. Not only could a tax collector not enter into the temple, yeah, obviously they were disqualified, but if you talked to a tax collector, if you socialized with a tax collector for anything else other than giving them the money that they demanded, you were no longer allowed in the temple. Tax collectors were the worst of the worst. God wanted no part of them which makes this next story all the more powerful, all the more telling. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Again, this is ridiculous. This is scandalous. The rabbi, the teacher, the Messiah, talking to a tax collector? 
And not just talking, but saying, follow me. And then what happens? While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for they were many who followed him. And when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, who were the pastors, who were the elders of the church, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? They're disqualified from a relationship with God. They're too broken. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. See, I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Jesus lays down the marker. And he says, it doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how broken, doesn't matter where you come from. Because I didn't come to call those who think they're in right relationship with God. Because I've come to call those who know there's brokenness and there's hurt. Those who know they can't reach up to heaven, that the divine has to reach down. And that really is the main difference, the only difference, that matters anyway, between Christianity and all the other world religions. And I'm not knocking other world religions here. There's just a core philosophy difference. Any other religion, the premise is you will find a way to work to God. You'll build your staircase, you'll build your ladder, you'll do enough that will make God accept you, that will make you in right relationship, that will make you righteous. Christianity flips it and says, you can't. The ladder's never going to be tall enough. It's going to be too many broken rungs. And that's good in my life because there's a lot of broken rungs. Jesus shows up and he says, I didn't call those who thought they were in right relationship. I called those who knew they weren't. He tells the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. He says, two men go to temple. The tax collector shows up and it's just in mourning and lament and says, I'm broken, I've made mistakes, I don't deserve to be here. And he weeps. The Pharisee is on the other side of the altar, and he too prays, but his prayer is different. His prayer is, thank God I'm not like that guy. You made me better than him, God, thank you. And Jesus says, do you know which one of them actually left in right relationship with God? is the one who is willing to be open, the one who is willing to be vulnerable, the one who is willing to be broken and honest. Because you see, when we're honest with God, that's when we experience the fullness of his love. As long as we think we have to hide before God, that we have to pretend we're better than we are, we're not opening our whole lives to him. Which means his love and its fullness can't encompass us, right? But when we go before him and we're like, God, I'm broken and I'm in need of a savior, that love comes in like a torrent and it washes over us and it cleans us. And all of a sudden we feel the warmth of our father's arms around us. We see the family of God together as one. You see, the gifts of the church come when we realize that our God came for the sick. And we're still all sick. Even after we become Christians, that used to be a myth I believed in, right? 
Like, okay, I get it. Before I'm a Christian, of course, I was all kinds of mucky and ugly. But then once I become a Christian, it's like a light switch. I'm going to be perfect, and I'm no longer supposed to sin anymore. I sinned on my way from my driveway to the church building this morning, right? We're still broken. And that doesn't mean we revel in our brokenness. That doesn't mean that we're like, well, I guess I'm just going to keep on sinning. No. We don't have to find new ways to sin. And yet, we still have to be honest of saying, you know what, I'm, I'm still a work in progress. I still belong on the island of misfit toys. And God says, but I forgive you. I love you. And in fact, I specialize in the sick. I specialize in the broken, and I will start to repair you. To the leper, he says, I will bring you back community. To those who are broken physically, he says, I will heal to those who have done way too many things to think that Jesus would ever call them to follow. He walks by and he says, come follow me. Let's have dinner. Relationship comes from that. That's one of the reasons why we as a church have in our weekly rhythm a time of confession. And sometimes we do it formally, sometimes we do it in the message, but this reality that we want to build into our rhythm of life a time where we can be honest with God and like, you know what, I'm still broken, I still need forgiveness. And then we get to hear the words, you are forgiven. It's part of what we do in communion, right? My blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And then we get, again, connected to God, we get connected again to each other. And invite the band up. We're going to take some time in prayer. We're going to have a song that's going to help us reflect on some of our brokenness and some of our hurts. And then uh, Pastor Valio is going to come up and he's going to lead us in a time of confession, a time of repentance, a time where we're able to be honest with God and to fill that love and that forgiveness. And then to leave, and equally as important, to pass that love and forgiveness on to our neighbors, to our friends, to our families. Heavenly Father, you're a good God. You give good gifts to your kids. And Lord, certainly the greatest gift that you do give is specializing in brokenness and in the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we pray for the willingness and the openness to be able to lean into that, to take ownership of it, but not that we carry it, Lord, that we might give it to you so we don't have to carry it anymore. Lord, that we might again be overwhelmed by the torrent of your love. Lord, and that as we leave here, we can pass that love on to those you bring into our lives. And when possible, when given the opportunity to then carry them to you, the ultimate source. Father, Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.